Welcome to Elevate, the podcast where we dissect exceptional achievers who are consistently raising the bar personally and professionally to produce extraordinary results in investment real estate and ultimately in their lives. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here, and I'm so blessed and grateful to be sitting with Spencer Hilligoss. Spencer, how are you, sir? Uh, doing great, Tyler. Super excited for this conversation today. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it was great to get to meet you face to face in Denver recently. And I know that we connect on so many different levels, whether it's real estate, whether it's uh, some mu much deeper concepts as well. So definitely excited to dive into all that. And I want to, you know, first really kind of welcome back Elevate Nation because it's time to take it to another level. And that's what we do here. We raise the bar and, you know, our mission is to identify and apply how the best of the best are raising the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And it was fun right before the show. You're talking, man, I'm excited to talk about personal growth and professional growth. And we're definitely going to dive into so much there. We're going to talk about mindset. We're going to talk about habits, routines, of course, systems and tools because we need those. We need strategies, uh, but really so much more, you know, for from, you know, somebody like Spencer, who's elevating to a life without limits. So we can all do the same for ourselves. And this is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through real estate investing and ultimately in their lives. And just a quick housekeeping. If you're enjoying the show, give us a, a subscribe, you know, give us a rating, a review, a five-star uh, rating, a five-star review is certainly uh, appreciated. Give us some specifics, some tactics. How are you applying this to your own life? Uh, and with that said, I want to go ahead and introduce you to Spencer, who is a passive real estate investor, a multifamily co-sponsor, and a former technology leader. His company, Madison Investing, has co-sponsored deals totaling more than 4,000 units for more than $500 million. Spencer invests in syndications, syndications as an LP, a limited partner, and actively leads Madison Investing alongside his co-founder slash wife, Jennifer Morimoto? Morimoto? You got it. Boom. All right. See, I asked you how to pronounce your name, your last name, and I didn't, I didn't uh, ask that one, so I apologize. No, it's I, all good. No, you it got it. Good effort, at least, right? As That's a technology right. leader, Spencer built a 13-year track record of growing high-performing teams across five companies, three of them unicorns valued at more than $1 billion with a B. In November 2019, Spencer retired, quote-unquote, from his lucrative technology career, leaving behind the $4 billion loan origination teams he built at Lending Home, funding 600 fix and flip transactions per month. Now he is focused on spending time with loved ones and growing Madison Investing by helping passive investors achieve their goals. So Spencer, um, what an amazing bio, first of all, but I'd love to know more about, you know, Spencer behind the bio. Who is Spencer as a man? Yeah. Well, thanks for the intro. Um, and, and by the way, I think, Tyler, you were one of the only people who's ever asked ahead of time, how do I pronounce my uh, Spencer's last name? So I appreciate that very much. It's Hilligas, it's a doozy. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And super excited to be here. Um, you know, so me as a person, I'm, I'm a pretty straightforward dude. Um, but, but I would say for someone that has been in a, a leadership track career in a corporate setting for, for so long, there's a few things about me that a lot of times people don't really know until they get to know me better. 
Um, examples would be, you know, I grew up in a real estate household. I didn't just jump into real estate four years ago. Um, so, you know, my dad was a broker. Um, he was one of the top residential real estate brokers in the country back in the 90s. And so he, uh, you know, he, he really role modeled hustle, I think, for me. And, and I, I didn't really appreciate that at the time. Um, you know, I, I used to be like, why does dad wake up at 4 a.m. every day? Um, and, and now here I am. I, I think I woke up at maybe 4.45 this morning. So, you know, it, it's really come full circle. But he, he actually came from a very, uh, a very different upbringing and style of family. And the ethos behind it kind of sticks with me to this day. His, his whole side of the family were carnies, like carnival folk. So I, you probably haven't heard that on the show very much. Wow, no. So, um, yeah, so I, I wasn't as exposed for very long to that. I was probably just a, like a toddler around the time that he got out of that. But lots of his side of the family and my side of the family, they still literally live that, that, that life. You know, they drive rides around and they actually, uh, and they do it to uh, county fairs and all that good stuff. So it's real. So that, that's a bit of family lore, but I bring it up because seeing my dad hustle to build a really successful nationally performing, top 10 performing uh, real estate brokerage business, it was insightful for me. And it sticks with me to this day because, you know, about, let's see, around the age uh, 14, 15, um, I've been seeing him grow this business for about a decade. And he, uh, unfortunately, watched that business disintegrate because uh, we entered this period of time called this dark decade where my brother, younger brother, uh, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. He passed away from that after a few years. It was a long time ago. But, uh, you know, that triggered a divorce, which it usually does when kids die, unfortunately, and uh, from cancer and, and, and their parents decide to split. So all these events occurred. Family went from high flying, really good income and to, to coming down to a much smaller lifestyle. And that left a, a resounding impact on me. Uh, and, and very much as a dad now with a couple of kids of my own, um, I have two boys that are two and five, and I'm trying to hold them at bay a couple rooms away, given the current context of coronavirus, of course, and all the shelter in, in place stuff we have out here in the Bay Area right now. But uh, as a dad, I think that watching that upbringing um, or going through that upbringing, watching my dad's business rise and then fall and then watching our family have to downsize, it's, it stuck with me in terms of hustle in terms of appreciating what it means to play financial offense and defense um, and, and really try to think about how am I constantly uh, challenging myself to, to grow. Um, and it wasn't just those events. It, it was also a couple quirky things. One more thing I'll add here too is that I don't really bring this up proactively a lot, but because we're going to go into professional development, personal development stuff, Tyler, uh, I have been playing in punk rock and metal bands for about, I don't know, 20 years. Um, and so, you know, and I'm the, the collared shirt gets to cover up a bunch of tattoos. So, you know, it's <clears throat> that ethos that comes with that culture also is rather contrarian. Um, and, and I think contrarian thinking uh, it, it, at its best can help you land on great decisions. And, and so we could probably spend a whole talk just about that. But I wanted to bring that up because I think it's, it's really helped me in ways in the business context that a lot of people wouldn't immediately understand. Um, and so, you know, Carney, punk rock, uh, hustle from entrepreneurship, watching my family. Um, and I would just say that these days, really, I'd only perform music for, for my two kids and play wheels on the bus. And they, they love that. My audience sizes are very tiny these days. <laughs> That's awesome. Man, honestly, you know, believe it or not, I, I kind of got a little bit of chills there when you were describing all that because I could just feel the authenticity. And I really appreciate you just being yourself and being real about all this stuff. 
and sharing sort of the, you know, the highlights of what you observed as a child, you know, seeing your dad really just have so much commitment into his career, into his brokerage business and building that to be such a top performing sort of, you know, entity and, and, and organization in, in so many different ways. And then sort of, you know, observing like the natural progression of life sometimes, you know, things happen, right? And, you know, yeah. we don't always necessarily stay on top, but, you know, what what do we do and how do we observe that? And how do we react? And, you know, like you mentioned also, you know, we're going through a, a very, you know, odd time with this, you know, pandemic, this global pandemic. And, you know, folks are, you know, hunkering down into place and it's like, well, you know, are we entering into a dark time into, into that regard, you know? So it's like, how do we apply the learnings, you know, that, that you may have observed from a very challenging family perspective, you know, uh, in, into different perspectives as well. And so I just really appreciated that. But I also, you know, I love the thought of, there's a few things, you know, you talked about in terms of playing financial offense and defense. So I definitely want to go into that. I definitely want to go into the contrarian thinking because, you know, that's really where I started to get a little bit of chills because, you know, it's really not talked about much. You know, people, you know, everybody's really pretty buttoned up and, yeah, we're, do, we're playing the right game, we're doing the right thing. And, you know, of course, having a little bit of a rebellious sort of attitude, you know, is accepted in, in many circles, but it's not something that we talk about much in real estate. So I'd be right. curious if you could go a little bit deeper there because it certainly resonates with me in, in many ways and I know it does for many of our listeners. Absolutely, man. I super appreciate that you kind of grabbed onto that particular point. Because <clears throat> I think a lot of times people are either they're not interested or they don't realize the power of it. Um, and, and I'm very appreciative that you grabbed onto it, Tyler. So I think, um, you know, for me, I remember going all the way back to college. And I was reminded of this by one of my very best friends. He's, we've been friends since early high school. He was one of my former bandmates. And he reminded me that in college, I wrote what was like literally a manifesto or something along those lines, very soapboxy, you know, very self-righteous. And this is while I was like, I might've been working three jobs in college, but I was probably still getting a little bit of assistance from, from like my parents on just some expenses. Right. So like I'm sitting there writing things about the problems of capitalism. I'm probably, you know, like, like the stuff that, that, that's really, really, you know, deep into uh, the, the, those punk rock ethos uh, points. And he reminded me of that. And that was re relatively recently. And I'm sitting there going like, okay, I've been in the working world wearing, pretty, I, was, I was pretty much on a fast track in the corporate set, uh, in the corporate setting for 13 years, leading very large teams. And I was, at the age of 25, just as a side note for context, I was like thrust into leading a team of over 200 people in an entire facility based in Colorado. And so like I was, I was thrown into lead leadership at a senior level way too early. And I learned a lot there, but I bring that up here because think about reconciling these two ideas, you know, early on, I think I'm super punk rock and you know, the man can't get me down. I'm never going to sell out on the other side. You got this, I am leading teams of a couple hundred people and I'm supposed to be walking the line, you know, being, being a good steward of the business, learning really critical business skills um, and management and leadership at, 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 at a very aggressive pace. And so here we are now and I'm sitting there going, man, like, Am I confused or is it just that it's okay to have conflicting ideas in our head at the same time um, and, and, and reconcile those things to become a whole person? Uh, and and I, I used to really struggle with that, but now I've come to, to truly believe it is the latter. You know, it, it, like, like we are the sum of our component parts and journeys. Um, and I have found that 
it allows us to flip when we're analyzing a situation. Maybe it's a real estate deal. Maybe you're trying to understand the decision made by a seller. You know, maybe they changed their mind. The best decision making I have ever landed on, whether it's business related, personal related, or otherwise, mentorship or coaching related, if I'm coaching someone, it comes from a place of looking at that scenario and putting yourself in someone else's seat and trying to think of a situation from every possible angle, right? And so I, I guess hopefully that this makes sense. I know we were gonna get Absolutely. a little ethereal on, on the talk today, but um, contrarian thinking is critically valuable. And I often see people who struggle with that, that they struggle to, to get into a mindset that is outside of a very, very mainstream perspective. And it limits their capabilities. I mean, and, and frankly, I think contrarian thinking is one of, I would say, actually, it is the single biggest driving force that saved me from a lifetime of corporate servitude. And most people don't get 13 years in to senior VP level roles in companies and find the, uh, overcome the terrifying nature of that decision and then get out. And I, I really do think that, like, I don't know if it's the music, I don't know if it's the ethos, I don't know if it's just a bunch of feedback from people that are not in the business world that I still consider great friends. But um, yeah, I, I really am so, so damn grateful for, for that, that way of thinking because it helps me be confidently go take, take the leap into entrepreneurship. So that was yeah. a very long-winded answer. So, so sorry about that. It was a phenomenal answer. I mean, it was, uh, that was deeply from within your soul. I could tell that, but you know, the one thing that I see is, you know, the most intelligent people in my opinion are ones who can hold these two, you know, sort of opposite beliefs or opposite thoughts in their mind at once and, and identify, you know, which, you know, sides of the issue have merit, right. And say, all right, well, you know, maybe we can overlap here. And, you know, I know that the folks who are the most successful negotiators can put themselves in someone else's shoes and understand, you know, truly why they would make a certain decision in one direction or another. And I just think there's so much value in that so much practical value in that from a real estate perspective, from a business perspective, and obviously you were able to make decisions from a career trajectory, from a life trajectory perspective as well, to be able to hold the belief of, you know what, I'm on a great path here. There's a lot of great opportunities here, but perhaps there's a, a different path. So mm -hmm. talk to me about, you know, you know, obviously you've got talent, you've got skills to be able to grow and, and lead other people. And obviously people saw that in you at an early stage, but would you say, was there a moment in time in your life where you basically just said, you know what, I'm committing to being uncommon or was that more of an unconscious thing in your life or just talk to me a little bit about that. Just curious. Ooh, that's a darn, that's a darn good question, man. Um, it wasn't like a conscious, I wish I could pin it down to a specific moment. I know a period of time when it started to, to make itself clear to me. Um, and you really kind of made me think about this one. I, I mean, I would say that after my first two years in leadership, so I'd been thrust into management. Um, I, I was, I mean, as a quick side note, I thought after the first two attempts to get promoted into a manager job, most people want to be a manager because they have no idea why they just want to go up a ladder. And so my first two years, you know, I, I had been a, uh, started my corporate career as a sales rep, um, not counting the internships I had prior. And I was so confused why I got turned down for a management spot and I got to got turned down again. Um, and, and you know, this is probably only 
five, six months after I took out my lip ring and cut my hair down, or I, I cut my hair from being like down on my chin. And so I was losing my, my, my rock and roll credibility. <laughs> um, and so I totally. was sitting there, you know, not, not really conducting myself that professionally at work, not really like putting in as much as I really could to my full potential and confused why I wasn't getting, um, why, why, why I wasn't getting the, you know, the time of day uh, for a leadership track. And I ended up uh, quitting that first job, despite doing really well as an individual contributing sales professional, kind of traveled the world a bit, despite making really great money. And then I was fortunate enough to have a mentor that was still at that same company at this first company I was at. Um, and he was willing to take me back. Like I, after I went and I gallivanted for a while and I traveled around Europe and, and I don't know if I had an eat, pray, love moment as it's been described back to me by very caring mentors. Um, <laughs> but I went off and did that and he came back and he allowed me to rejoin this company, but it was under the, the following conditions. He said, you can come back if you take a customer support job and you're going to get paid uh, 14 bucks an hour. You're going to mo go move to another state. And if you do well enough in the first six months, you will have a chance to potentially become a manager. Um, and I did it. And so I, I moved out to Colorado. Um, you know, I, I drove myself through like the dead of winter in December and I got stuck in like Wyoming in, a, in the middle of the blizzard. And I got out there and I became um, this customer support rep, just totally humbled, you know. And, and I think that once I started to work my way up and I, and I got there and I got to that management spot and then I eventually got promoted senior manager and then eventually I was running the whole facility and then, and then, and then it went on. But along that journey, I really came to realize like, wait, like I, I feel like I care all, like, my degree of care in terms of how much I care about, I have curiosity for why things work, but also I care a lot that, 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 that uh, people are heard and listened to, but I care really, really, really strongly that people take their work seriously. And that doesn't mean you can't get lighthearted. That doesn't mean you don't tell jokes. I tell really, really awful dad jokes and I have an incredibly sarcastic sense of humor. Um, and I'd like to think I have a pretty good one, but you know, I'm sure my wife would disagree. Um, so, I just bring that up because that period of time is, is when I realized like, okay, I fought tooth and nail to get up back up to the point where I thought I was at before on this management track. And that's when I thought, okay, I guess I'm a little bit different. Like, like I, I'm a little bit different and my mentors were starting to tell me that, but I, it was still so early though, Tyler, like I really didn't understand it even then that, um, you know, you, you, you kind of only find yourself when, when you get kicked in the teeth <laughs> by, uh, figuratively, um, by by life's hardships, you know, and, and the scars. And so I, I really do think that like, that that was all corporate experience. I then, I consciously chose, and I think the real final moment when I knew I was kind of a, a professional development weirdo was because I remember at a different company, this is flash forwarding to about 2013, I had just gotten a promotion to lead an even larger team, sales operations, sales organization, field sales, inside sales operations, all these different groups at this really, really well-renowned well unicorn company. It's a global company. I had gotten a big, big promotion. And I'm not bringing these up as bragging points. I'm about to totally undo all that wonderful stuff I just told you about because I was being courted to go and join a A-series startup that I really, really thought was cool. They had a great product. And if I went to go take this gig, I would have to take a 40% compensation cut and it would be probably two to three X hours per week. 
you know, and, and, and all that stuff that did, frankly, it was a huge amount of work increase and it was going to strain. I, what I didn't know is it was going to strain my relationship with my wife. Um, thankfully we're still together now, but I ended up saying yes. And like, I ended up saying yes in that one moment, um, in 2013 to a, to going to an early stage startup. This was the first of multiple early stage startups where I was going to grind harder than I've ever ground before in service of knowing the skills I would learn was, was going to outweigh all of the money that I could have made cash wise and get heavily taxed on by the way. But you know, I, I would have, I would have, um, kept getting paid and not growing that much, but I chose to go grow hard through pain repeatedly. And that's when I was like, yeah, I guess I am pretty, I guess I think a little differently than a lot of folks. Are you someone who is looking to seriously elevate your life this year? I mean, now, because I want to let you know that I am currently opening up a few coaching spots for people like you who want to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. And I want to invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. I have to tell you, this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are defiantly committed, those who are decisive, those who are coachable, those who are resourceful. They're willing to do whatever it takes. They're willing to sacrifice time, energy, and invest resources into themselves to get to where they want to be, to live life at the highest level, and to elevate to a life without limits, exactly what we talked about on this show. If that is you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. That's awesome. Well, you mentioned uh, being a personal development weirdo. And, you know, I have to respectfully agree with you uh, because, you know, it's, it's, it's a contrarian sort of thing to be, you know, a punk rocker sort of, uh, you know, base sort of an individual who then has grown through leadership, who's also then, you know, sort of made decisions in these different capacities in your career, personally, professionally, and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, then sort of made the decision to drop your income by 40% because you saw that it was an opportunity to grow, um, which I would imagine if you looked back, perhaps paid off. So tell us a little bit more about that. I mean, was that, an, was that a situation that maybe you, you feel like you made the right decision on in terms of your own growth and how has that paid off? Oh man, it's the, it, it was like the beginning. If you were, you know, stepping back, Tyler, like I, I like to think that most of us at some point find a, a peaceful moment, enough of a peaceful moment to like think of our current circumstances when they're going well and maybe not outside, maybe outside of the context of the coronavirus. Yeah. But like if your life is going well at any given time, like tracing back, what are the key decisions that brought you there? And for me, that decision was one of the most big, well, it was one of the, the biggest decisions ever. The first one that I made that, that got me to where I am now, and I would not, I'm not making any differently, was the one to move out to Colorado and take a customer support job and make 14 bucks an hour. The second most important career decision was to go and take that 40% that 40 pay cut, go to an A-series startup that was the hardest work I've ever done in, in, in like the you know, year and a half to two years that I was there. And I look back and I would make that exact same decision again. And it's because as an entrepreneur, man, I, I, I remember like one of the biggest mentors in my life, um, I'll leave him unnamed, but I'll just say that he, uh, he's had a few quotable moments that stuck with me. And he mentioned this, he's like, he's like, Spence, I, I have met so many VPs, GMs who couldn't manage a gas station. And that really stuck with me. 
because I have a problem with stuff that's inauthentic. And hopefully it's evidenced on this talk today. Like this is just raw me. This is just kind of how I conduct myself. I strive to conduct myself. Um, and I wanted to go and recapture those years that I had spent grooming, getting corporate grooming, which I would not trade out. I, I, I effectively got an MBA from going to like, you know, uh, a Fortune 500 company. I was at Intuit for five years and I, and I really am thankful for that fast track that I was on there. I'll, I would not want to change that. But what I didn't get is what entrepreneurs usually get when they dive straight in. If they leave out of high school, they drop out, they drop out of college, they go start a business. You learn pragmatic build, business building and you learn how to hustle. And I, 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 I somehow had that self-awareness moment enough. I, I couldn't even label it at the time to just say, I don't have that. Like, I don't have that. And, but I need that. And uh, that was the driving decision force behind that. You didn't have the pragmatic experience or you weren't thrown into the fire as somebody who just really had to dive into the deep end and figure it out. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly right. Yeah. And effectively, yeah. you know, so many wise folks that, that you and I look up to in the, in the working world, what they'll usually say when people say, maybe I'm at 30, what should I have? What should I be doing now? Or I'm at 20 or what should I be doing now? Or 25, what should I be doing now? The twenties and in some cases, maybe late teens for a lot of folks, different for everybody. Um, if you ask like the most brilliant folks out there, maybe Kiyosaki or, or, or others, they'll say, that's the time when you learn and you learn by doing. Mm -hmm. And I learned by doing all this in corporate track. If you spend your twenties in corporate, you learn all these skills that help you win the ladder, that, that help you climb the ladder better, climb it more efficiently and keep going up in that W2 income. It doesn't help you navigate the matrix of actual life. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, such a good point. You know, and, and, and so I was like, I don't want the ladder skills. I want the, I want the major, I want the matrix skills. I want, I want, I want to be able to, to give me a laptop and go into a coffee shop and be able to run my business and actually know enough about this stuff to know what I'm doing. And I, and I just had some sense, like I'm not there yet. So I got to go get around people that are smarter than I am that are, that are going to work harder than I've ever worked. And they'll, they'll pull me to this point and they'll see how they work and operate. And I want to operate the way, the, the way they do. I want to learn what I want. Well, I want what they have. I want the skills and the knowledge that they have, but I'm going to have to humble myself. I'm going to have to take demotion. I'm going to have to demote my compensation. Um, and it was uh, not something I could have done necessarily if my wife, Jennifer, did not have her own badass career, right? And, and yeah. she, was, she was earlier along there as well. But um, I, you know, I, I can't tell the story, any of the story, without sharing uh, credit with her. Uh, it, it is entirely you know, a partnership at every step of the way. And so whenever people say, oh, I did this, I did that. And in my case, like we did this and we did that. Like I, I, I could not have had the confidence to go to an early stage startup unless I knew that she was there to support me, um, you know, emotionally, spiritually, uh, physically, all that stuff, but also uh, financially. She had, w, she had W2 income, you know? Um, so I, we, we wouldn't have been able to go buy a house and, and, and get a loan, you know, if we didn't have good income. So yeah. anyways, I'm going long-winded. No, that's, that's amazing. And, uh, you know, a lot of what you're talking about is really just taking an inventory and being aware of where you are and what, what skills and what trajectory are you on right now? What experience do you have? Where are you going? And I also think that it, you know, it requires so much humility to grow as an individual at any point in time, because yeah, you know, you could continue to go on the same trajectory, you know, if that makes sense for you. Or you could, you know, humble yourself and say, you know what, I, I have a long way to go to get to where I want to be. 
Uh, and really to develop those skills, you know, you've got to surround yourself with people who may have those skills. You've got to get uncomfortable. And I just really honor you for that. But, you know, a lot of what we've talked about so far has really been looking back and saying, you know what, here's we're tracing the path. Mm -hmm. You know, you even said you tracing back decisions and key decision points that really, you know, pivoted you in a certain direction. So, you know, the one of the ways that you and I connected originally was through talking really about looking forward and, and inspired, you know, sort of, uh, you know, a thought process in terms of, you know, quantum mechanics, quantum physics, which, you know, we may go down sort of an esoteric path, but, you know, yeah. I know you and I both really enjoy this discussion and it's really inspiring and exciting. So, you know, we've looked back. So I'd love to know, how are you looking forward now through the lens of what, what I just mentioned there, quantum physics, quantum mechanics? Yeah, you know, probably more relevant now than ever, just like you and I were chatting about before we started the, this, this podcast, right? Yeah. It's like, uh, so much of success, if you observe the people that kill it in the world, and, and, and meaning pe people that add the biggest value and therefore life rewards them with, with, with the most in, in kind, you know, whether that is financial or, or, or societal, like, like a Bill Gates or like an Oprah. I mean, these are people that have had such a profound giving impact on the world around them that stuff came back to them, you know, both financially and beyond. So if you look at that and you study like, okay, what are the fundamentals? Like here are some of the fundamentals that I guess I, I, I did earlier on, but I, I was inconsistent. And the first one is going to be, um, this sounds so silly and people, you know, I, I think, the the people who are very um, I'm trying to think of the right term for this like the, the people who are very like uh, data driven to the point where they think things such as uh, interviewing skills or they think that conversational uh, skills and negotiations are all soft and squishy and they don't mean something will probably not appreciate this to its fullest extent and that's absolutely fine but I'll just say deliberate positive attitude um, and going out of your way to get to a point of positive attitude because you have the techniques and daily habits to get there uh, is a competitive advantage. And it is something that I have always been a positive person, but one thing I was not good at um, when I was younger, but I am quite good at today is getting myself to that place. Cause I don't wake up every day feeling happy. Like I'm a human. Humans don't wake up happy every day. It's not how we're, how we're wired. Yeah. And if you're waking up happy every day, then good on you. It's not something broken in your brain. Like, I mean, or maybe we need good... to get them on this podcast. Maybe they can yeah. tell us what to do. <laughs> you got to figure it out. I mean, yeah. I'm sure that there are, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there are people out there that can do that naturally. But for me, it's an effort, um, yeah. and it's not just coffee. So, like, I go through, you know, so much of the hell, uh, the wonderful hell, Elrod, um, miracle morning steps. I don't follow that to a T. I use a couple pieces of it. I, I go down my list of what I'm grateful for. I go down, um, you know, a, 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 when I can, a brief journaling of where I'm at and how I'm feeling. Um, I, I go down and I, I carve out time to reconnect with people in my life that I think um, are my, my best friends. I mean, the people that, that I am adding value to as, my, as their friend and, and also just in kind, we enjoy each other's company. Um, you know, so all that stuff, positive attitude as, as first and foremost is something that right now, more than ever, I really don't think that a lot of people out there realize how much of an impact they can have on those around them just by changing their, their language choices. I mean, like just by, by going, if you're going to go on social media, because so much of, of, of us out there right now go out there uh, for our news and also for self-indulgence, you know, I, I, and I get it. We got to all blow off steam. And we all got to laugh. 
Um, but find ways to be positive, find ways to add value and, and, and get action in front of people. Like, like give them techniques and tips and things that help you as opposed to just saying, Oh, like this or that is outside of my control. It, it, it like it, that, that's all fine. You're allowed to vent. I, I do as well. Does nothing to, to move you forward. Does nothing to help those around you. So yeah. I just wanted to men- I wanted to mention the positivity thing first and foremost because I think positives attract positives and and, and on a fundamental level the 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 vibing that you and I at least initially kind of uh, felt uh, Tyler was I think largely ba- based on on that you know it, it, at least that that's one of the things that matters a lot to me. No, I agree, and exactly what you're talking about is is choosing to develop habits and systems within your own behavior that can create positive emotions, positive energy, which can then be translated to how other people feel around you, how other conditions may coalesce to create sort of certain outcomes, which is really the thought process behind, you know, quantum physics. And a lot of people may roll their eyes or they may pause the the show and say, man, this is crazy. I just want to know how can I find my next deal? Really, this is what we're talking about. And to build these relationships, you know, like you and I connected based on this energetic level that neither of us can see, but we can feel that each of us are coming from the right place. And we're trying to serve humanity, we're trying to do the right thing. And, you know, I I just think it's so important to highlight that and, and your daily habits and rituals are serving that. I mean, is that that's exactly what you're saying, right? Exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think to that end, um, you know, one of the things that I see folks often struggle with, just to be specific to real estate and, and, and make sure that folks can take value away from this from a real estate perspective and be pragmatic about it too, just because we're talking about quantum physics and the implications of it doesn't mean that I'm, we're not going to tie this all the way back to people actually putting this into, into practice in your life. <clears throat> so one of the quotes that I'll drop is trust but verify. A lot of people get credited with that. I think it was actually Reagan that used it. I'm not a big Reagan disciple or anything, but I'll just say trust but verify is something that I think is important in business and in life. I bring it up now because oftentimes real estate investors that are getting out there and starting, you know, I've been in commercial now, um, you know, for coming up on four years, residential before that, but I would say they struggle with partnerships a lot. They, they, they you know, they struggle with relationship building. They struggle and because they bucket into networking. I'm a guy that, oh my God, I, I'm an introvert through and through like like it takes a lot for me to go into a big crowded room and like find the find the 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 tank the spiritual and emotional tank to go out and like say hi 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 to all these different people that I haven't met before much easier for me to have a conversation with you and I like this format Tyler so I bring that up because the way that you go out and you interact with people you you want them to know if, if it's at a conference if it's at a meetup Maybe you sent a cold email to someone that you really think is a great operator that you want to partner with on a deal to go take down a large apartment or like a self-storage facility or a mobile home park or something like that. And you find this person and you approach them in a way that makes you seem really uncomfortable and you seem like, like you're not putting positivity out there and that you don't maybe understand what you're about. Then they're going to feel uncomfortable just as much as you are. You know, so, so you know, that other person you're reaching out to they're sitting there thinking, wow, this person doesn't seem like they really know themselves that well. And they seem a little bit uncomfortable with talking to me. Maybe am I doing something wrong? So you're basically sending these signals to another person that something ain't right. And, you know, when like, for example, Tyler and I connected just on the floor of, of, of that Denver conference at Best Ever Conference, like 
I, w- I have been following this podcast. I have been listening to Tyler's stuff. I really appreciated it. And then I was like, whoa, that, that, that's that guy. I mean, I haven't, I haven't met Tyler before, so I just walked up and said hi. And it was, came from a genuine place because I was like super appreciative of the content that I had taken um, away from this podcast in the past. And I was like, hey, like, yeah, at some point, let, let's continue the conversation. This has been great. And very generously, Tyler invited me to come on. So it's like, it's moments like that where people think they can engineer their way around it and you just can't get away from the fact other people want to know what you're about. They want to know, are you feeling excited to talk to them? Or at least just, and are you being authentic? Um, These are all things that are the foundation of good partnerships. So if you wanna go take down deals with people and you aren't quite sure how to articulate those things and exude that type of calm and that type of confidence, then you gotta do some inner work. And, and the inner work is going to help you get there. I promise you that if you do that, you will have better relationships in the business context, not just in your personal context, but very much in your business context. Yeah, well, it's, it's absolutely abundantly clear the inner work that you're doing when you talk because you explain things so clearly, so, so eloquently. And so, you know, I just really can appreciate that. And I can tell how much deep and how much committed work that you continue to put in on a daily basis. And, you know, with that said, you're obviously doing great things in what you're doing in terms of real estate, uh, you know, partnering with so many great operators across the country, you know, partnering with so many great investors and, and folks who are you know, really achieving great returns through what you're doing. So talk to me, you know, from that context, I mean, how have you raised the bar recently and what you're doing from the business context? Yeah, I'm happy to. <clears throat> so, you know, I mentioned this up front, Tyler, that uh, you know, so we're passive investors first, you know, every one of our deals now that we've put out to, we, we run a club, Madison investing club, it's a club in a business. We invest in all these deals ourselves now, but it started just as us, meaning Jennifer and I looking for the best passive investing strategy for our own capital. And as a result, I'm a big process nerd. So I built a simple framework that just looks at the operator, the market and the deal and that none of that is revolutionary. You know, you guys can go listen to dozens of podcasts and hear that particular point. But what's underneath that framework is the work, right? And so I put all that work in, built this framework for how to evaluate our own deals that we can go and invest in. And then suddenly like in our network, because I was talking about this really exciting stuff, great example of the concepts we were just talking about, Tyler. I was still working a day job at the time. I only left that day job about three months ago. And I was telling my coworkers and my friends like, yeah, we're so fired up. We're going to go invest in this deal. And then they said, well, what is it? And they asked, well, how, can I check it out? And then they asked, well, how do, how do you vet these deals? And it was so organic, you know, I mean, this is a few years ago now, but of course, friends and family started to want to invest and they would ask us about this. So we just said, oh, I guess we have a business here. And so, you know, so now we have a co-sponsorship business. We're about 18 deals in um, and it's been going and thriving. The thing I wanted to share more recently was that back in January, I, th- I think this is like one of the biggest learnings that, that we have gotten. And I really hope that listeners that are trying to ramp up in their business really take this away. It's like, I initially finally mustered up the courage back in like early 2019, I think it might've been 2018. And I started going on a cut, just a couple podcasts and I haven't been on a ton, but I, on a couple podcasts, we didn't get any traction from people following up after that. You know? And so we sat down, Jennifer and I sat down we're like, what's wrong? And it was because I wasn't speaking from authentic place. I was trying to basically be perfect. I was trying to, to articulate our 
our business and you know I, i've you can go listen to some of these earlier podcasts even if you want to go to our website at madisoninvesting.com you can just listen to them and you'll probably notice a tone difference and more importantly tyler like you'll notice a story difference and what i mean by this is we sat down after those podcasts and zero zero response from those things and we said what is the unique story that i have to tell that got me to where I am today. And where's the emotional, like where, where's the emotional resonating component of this? Like where, where, where is it gonna real, make people realize like I'm a real person, I deal, I deal with and have dealt with real challenges just like everyone else out there. Mm -hmm. And this is how I've overcome them. And we, so we engineered that and we rebuilt that and it's fully authentic. And I can just say it in my sleep now. I did practice it a hundred times before I went on that next podcast. We, we had a journalist, from Business Insider in January, listened to one of six podcasts that I went on and I had shared that story. And he did a, an article, a profile piece on me. Um, and I don't know why the universe decided to have this, this awesome journalist named, um, you know, come over and, 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 and listen to me. And when he reached out, I thought he was trying to do some assassination piece on real estate. I was so confused and paranoid. I was like, dude, why are you trying <laughs> like, I was like, do you own any real estate? Like, how do you feel about real estate? Cause he was like wow. an equities guy and a stock trader from the from his background. <laughs> and, and, and he was not trying to screw me, uh, which was good. He was serious. He wanted to do a profile piece. So he did it. And we have had explosive growth. Like, like we've had explosive growth ever since then. Like we were already growing from word of mouth and we're still growing from word of mouth. But when that happened, like I, I was doing 10 new investor onboarding phone calls every day for like a wow. month. You know, and, and so it was, it was some kind of strange moment where the culmination of all these experiences put down into a story that was authentic, told on a podcast, heard by a journalist, journalist does profile piece, profile piece goes out there, and then a flurry of other relationships, not just investors, but other partners hear that thing. And you want to talk about building third-party validation and credibility, that's how you do it. That is awesome. And I, I can tell you that I've experienced the same thing myself. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of different talks and of course I do the podcasts and I do other people's podcasts and, you know, I've been doing this for a few years, but like you, I'm always, you know, I, I started out like, all right, the story has got to be perfect. It's got to be this. And, you know, this is who I'm striving to be. So it's got to be, you know, prepared in this way, but I've learned that the more authentic that I am and I just show up as myself, the more people resonate with that. And it's yeah. so interesting too, is that, um, you know, I think in particular, what I've experienced is that when I share my failures, when I share where I've fallen flat on my face, that's when people are like, <laughs> Oh, me too. Like yeah. I get it. And you're actually approachable. It's like, wow, I'm not an idiot. I'm not a screw up myself. You know, when you try to be perfect, that's when people are like, this is unapproachable. I don't want to do this. So with that said, I mean, has there been any particular failures, you know, that you've experienced that maybe not, maybe not just relatable, but something that have really set you up for later success? Yeah, um, I'll probably choose. So the first one was particularly challenging for me. Um, this one was at a startup that uh, I was building a team, uh, an operations team, customer success and sales. And I had hired a lot of people in the past already. You know, I've been building operations and sales teams for a long time now. Um, maybe at that time it was like eight or nine years. So long time in the tech world. And I, you know, I put together this financial plan for the year 
And when you're the boss, you're t- you have these big, scary decisions. You know, you have to sit there and say, we're going to go hire X number of people. And if you do that wrong, you're also the person who has to come back and let go of those people. If you do that too, if you hire too aggressively. And if, and I went through that exercise, you know, um, I would say, unfortunately, but you know, it's, I would just say that like, it's a par, it's par for the course and very normal in the course of building high growth startups where you rise and you fall and you rise and you fall in terms of headcount growth. And so from a hiring manager perspective, it's so exciting to hire. And I see actually lots of, lots of entrepreneurs right now. I mean, maybe not right now, now that coronavirus is happening, but I would say up until about three to four weeks ago, yeah, lots of really, really new real estate companies were ramping up with hiring full-time people. And I'm on the other end of this, of this growth journey where hmm. I have very little interest in trying to add headcount to this business because what I know from brutal experiences of having to sit down across the table and let someone go that has, has, has kids and, and have them cry in the office to my face because of my decisions. And I know I'm on the hook for that person's financial destiny. They are as well, but I have sat in that room and had to deal with that many times. You know, and, and so if you think it's fun and exciting to grow a business, try dismantling one. Mm-hmm. And and then really really reevaluate if you're ready to go and pull the trigger on hiring that person. And furthermore, on making sure that you're doing all the other stuff that's associated with managing people. By the way, because management is freaking hard. It is brutally hard, and you don't want to do it poorly. I'd say a lot of managers in the world don't quite get the difference between leadership and management, and that's not a rip on them. They just haven't gone through that journey yet. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of mentorship out there in the corporate world. But I bring that up because, man, it's, I would just say that that, that failure, um, that was a doozy. And yeah. I, uh, I, I, that sticks with me to this day. So I'm trying to keep the headcount lean until absolutely necessary when I no longer can do all the parts of this business that I, uh, I still do. Even if it takes more hours for me to have to do it, I don't want to add someone in unless, I'm, unless they're ready. I'm ready and the business is ready to give them something that's meaningful over a long period of time. So that, you know, I, I got to pick that one better. Yeah, no, that's huge. And it's just a huge reminder as well of the level of responsibility that we have as entrepreneurs, as investors, you know, what have you and building a business of the people that we're committing to while we commit to growth, while we commit to new opportunities and also making decisions and recognizing that perhaps the sun is shining today but does this decision still hold weight, you know, when it's theoretically raining or storming or whatever it may be, whenever the conditions are not as smooth as they may be during that time. And so can you withstand blows, you know, can't, yeah. do you have margin to, you know, to help you in the bad times and, and, and can you support other people, you know, uh, along those paths? So what a great reminder for all of us, especially, you know, obviously this, the situation that we're both sitting in, you know, currently today with coronavirus is certainly, you know, that's front and center in all of our minds as entrepreneurs. But, you know, a lot of people forget about that. I mean, I know for sure, like a week, two weeks ago, I mean, it was a totally different environment. So are you ready to adapt at any moment is absolutely where we all have to be. So, man, this has been a ton of fun and I want to be super respectful of your time. I know we we might have to do this again because we didn't even get to dive into any leadership. Um, But with that said, really quickly, I want to dive into our rapid fire section. Uh, we call it the cool. rare air questionnaire. 
it's all about really pushing those limits, scaling to the mountaintops, looking across the valley and saying, look, we've got several more mountains to climb and, and we know there will be more behind that. So uh, talk to me a little bit about books. I'd love to know, you know, two or three of the most impactful books that you've read and why. Yeah. Um, first one, uh, right off the bat, real estate focused and I, you know, can't get off a real estate podcast without saying it is the purple book, uh, rich dad, poor dad. Oh, yeah. um, in, you know, when I hear stories of people, uh, who were force fed that book in, you know, in their early years, uh, and, and they're like, why did my parents make me read that book? I thought it was stupid. I, I, I kind of wish my parents had done that to me cause I didn't me discover too. it in, until five years ago, you know? So that was a, um, hugely impactful book. I would not be sitting here as an entrepreneur without that book. And so that next book, um, I would probably say seven habits of highly successful people. Um, because it got me early, you know, mm -hmm. by Stephen Covey. Uh, I, I think that like, although, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big uh, religious person. I know that that underpins a lot of that work and a lot, frankly, a lot of personal development work is underpinned by that. I'm still a spiritual person. Cause I think every human is spiritual because they have to be. Uh, on some level. We don't have to go down a religion rabbit hole here. I just wanted to mention that. Um, because I think the skills and habits outlined in that book are relatively universal. Um, and, and I find that to be critically important for building habits and habits are everything. Maybe give a, give a runner up for that habits based book um, to uh, Charles Duhigg uh, and oh, the power yeah. of habit. You know, I, I think the one I'm looking forward to reading while we're on the topic of habits is atomic habits. Habits. I have not read atomic habits, but I've had like 20 people recommend that book to me. Um, last but not least, uh, I would actually say the millionaire next door has been, uh, I, I probably listened to that on audiobook while running probably three times in a row because it just, I, I was wrestling with that same journey that W2 corporate employees go, go through when they're like, how have I gotten this so wrong for so long? <laughs> you know? Uh, so I, I was, I really thought that, you know, the whole, um, prodigious accumulator of wealth and, you know, under accumulator of wealth and the UAW PAW thing. If I'm using those correct terms correctly still, I don't even know if I am, but, um, those, those, those were some of the heavier uh, hitters. Oh, got to give a plug by the way. I know you said three, um, is essentialism. Like anyone that knows me, they know I'm a huge efficiency nerd and I got to give that book credit. I have, I have loved that book, man. It is so good because it gives you specific ways of saying no and in service of focusing on your key priorities and where most people fail on this front is because they don't have the uh the words to get away from social awkwardness when they know they have a top three priority set for the week a good friend says let's grab a coffee and in that moment you fold and your three priorities go out the window because you couldn't just muster the words now's not a good time i gotta go deliver on this other thing that's awesome I love that. Yeah, that's a phenomenal book. And uh, certainly I have to give a shout out to all the other books that you mentioned. There are so many great books. Thank you for breaking the rule there of two or three. I want to know 20. <laughs> Come on. I love that. Uh, and um, yeah, no, it's, a, it's such a good highlight to the fact that, you know, to do, you know, great work professionally, you've got to be working on yourself. You've got to be developing your own skills, whether it's your habits, you know, whether it's just the capacity to, you know, get through an awkward social situation and say no to someone, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. We all want to please others. You know, most of us, even yeah. if you're an introvert, whatever it may be, you want to be nice. I mean, I know that this social distancing situation that we're dealing with right now is extremely awkward. It's like, how do I, how do I not shake your hand? I, I don't understand this. Um, 
but uh, to your point, I mean, there's so much value there. So Spencer, aside from our discussion today, what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? Oh, you know, I think uh, one thing I, I stopped compromising on when I became a entrepreneur was family comes first unflinchingly. And I think a lot of times people say that, and I'm not saying I'm perfect at all. Like I, I still, I missed the mark on that one, but I will cut an entirely full afternoon worth of meetings because suddenly Jen has something that she has to take care of and it's urgent. And it's like, unless it's something I can't move, I will move, uh, I'll move mountains to accommodate that. You know, I, I will drop everything to go pick up my kids as needed and, and do that. I think that like, if you ever have in that back of your mind, I'm not doing everything I could be doing to be a great parent or be a great husband or, you know, or, or a great wife or, or whatever that role might be, it seeps into every other asset aspect of your life. And so like, I just never want to feel like I'm not delivering on that. And as a result, it just creates a positive snowballing effect for everything else. Um, I, I think the one other thing I was going to be more specific about for the folks that are out there that may not have kids um, or be married, I use this technique that a mentor taught me, Tyler, and I use this pretty, pretty religiously now every week, which is um, the clean slate. Uh, and what it means is every week, I at least want to know, like, what is the number one biggest deliverable, maybe two, but usually it's like one that it has to get done. And if it has to get done, I, I look at my calendar and I, and I just simulate, in some cases, I'll, I'll actually do this. I'll just wipe the whole calendar and readjust the entire week around delivering that one thing. And the only reason that you wouldn't do that is because of social awkwardness and, and you know, coming all the way back to essentialism. So I would just say that you can get an, an incredible amount of stuff done uh, if, if you're willing to just to clean slate. <laughs> That's awesome. And I love the, just the practice of focusing on what is the one thing that I can accomplish, you know, today or this week or whatever it may be that can make that day effective or impactful, you know, towards what are you looking to create in your life and also having the priority of family and things that are more important than business or that the business or real estate is the vehicle towards this. So how are you making sure that you remain focused there as well? So two phenomenal uh, points there. So talk to me, what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you, Spencer? Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> years ago I got labeled as like the get real guy by a former boss of mine. Um, I, I would say that I, I help what I, I don't have a formal coaching program, but what I strive to do is I strive to help people, uh, see, see the situation with absolute clarity that they're in. Um, and I do that when I was younger, I didn't really know what it meant to be, um, inquiry driven. This is like corporate buzzword thing, but I'll just, I'll throw it out there for about seven years in a row. I got the coaching of leading with inquiry versus advocacy. And that is the most corporate way possible of saying, are you telling people what to do? Or are you asking legitimate, authentic and direct open-ended questions, listening to the response and then asking the next logical one in an ever deepening fashion until you get down to them realizing and saying, hearing their own words and saying it out loud where they are at. And that's what I try to do um, as often as I can. If I'm interacting with people is it just stems from authenticity and wanting them to realize like if I'm, if they ask for help, like I want to be able to help them that way, um, you know, but that they have to come to their own conclusions for it to stick. It can't be something you can't just tell someone, Oh, here's what I would go do. It's not, it's not, it's not, uh, not it's not going to stick. 
Man, that is uh, it's a little bit of an insight into the difference in a manager and a leader, which is really, you know, what we I really wanted to dive in today. But man, we could spend hours and hours and hours. So I, I'd want to be super respectful of your time. But do you have any parting thoughts or words of wisdom for Elevate Nation? I would just say, uh, first and foremost, you know, thank you, Tyler, for bringing me on. I would absolutely love to come back and have that leadership conversation whenever your game. As it turns out, I'm I'm at home. So uh, <laughs> as we all are right now, um, yeah. I, I would probably say, you know, that personal development is as corny as you want to consider it. It's as authentic and real as you want to consider it. And the people who talk a bunch of trash about professional personal development, not being something that's real um, are typically the people that you not see that they're not going to achieve success. Um, and so you got to just take it seriously. Then you got to take yourself seriously just enough. Not, not too much, right? But you got to take yourself seriously and invest in yourself. And it's not about how many books you read. It's about picking the right ones for you and applying those, those concepts. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not about the, the, the you know, the quantity, it's about the quality. It's about the application. It's about trial and error. It's about making it happen in your own life and sharing that with other people around you. And, and really just want to extend some extreme gratitude for you for sharing your wisdom and your journey, because I know it's helped so many people today. And, uh, you know, with that said, you know, Spencer, tell, tell the listeners how they can remain engaged with you and, and what you're doing personally and professionally. Yeah, happy to. Um, so feel free to reach out uh, if you want to connect. Uh, my email is spencer at madisoninvesting.com. Um, our, we have a website and our website is madisoninvesting.com. So we do have like a, an investing club. You know, you just click a big button on the top right of our site if you want to fill out a quick application to join. Um, so what we do primarily is multifamily syndications, a couple other asset classes though. I mean, clearly I would say right now, it's a unique market landscape. Uh, so I am kind of uh, holding off on reviewing a, a ton of new applications right now at the moment, but feel free to reach out. I'm still happy to have that conversation with you anytime. Um, so please do. Yeah, again, that's madisoninvesting.com. So we'll put a link there in the show notes. And of course, I know that uh, Spencer's active on LinkedIn as well. He shares a lot of great content there. So make sure you go follow him on LinkedIn, get to know him a little bit better there. And, you know, with that said, uh, you know, I would certainly highly encourage you to re-listen to this show because there's a ton of deep wisdom here. There's a ton of things that we can really apply to our own business, to our own life right now immediately and learn how does that fit for us. And, you know, one of the biggest things that I, I share so frequently is that you've got to become the teacher in this circumstance. You know, how can you teach this to someone else? How can you share this with someone else so that it anchors into your own understanding? And so it just becomes habitual. So you're just acting it out. You're not having to re remember all of the deep wisdom here. It just becomes who you are. And so I think that's so important. But the biggest thing is to take massive action. And you know what? Expect there to be some, some course corrections that you need to make. You know, what is it that you need to, you know, gain that feedback and become more effective in what you're doing? And so, you know, with that said, Spencer, I really want to thank you again for being here on the show today. Yeah, it's been a blast. And I'm really looking forward to having that leadership conversation next time, Tyler. That'll be awesome. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. And uh, Elevate Nation, thank you so much for tuning in. And we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit tylerchesser.com.